0: Tomororica, talk geek to me, radio da 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 da. Tomororica, to me, radio da 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 da.
1: Welcome, 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 geeks and nerds, girls and boys, to another all new edition of Geek to Me Radio. Jam packed show today. We'll be talking with David Peppos first about Spencer and Locke Volume 2. We'll then talk with Chris McQuill and all about the upcoming Toy Man Toy Show right here in St. Louis. And then Max on Movies and I discuss Oscars. Stand by. And if you're driving around St. Louis right now, hearing us on 105.3 FM and 1380 AM, thank you very much for tuning in. If you're streaming us out there in the world via the World Wide Web, thank you so much for finding us there. And of course, if you're hearing this after the fact in the podcast form on Google Play, iTunes, SoundCloud, Podomatic, FM Player, or wherever you get your iTunes and uh, different podcasts from, thank you very much for subscribing there. We are going to jump right into it. a jam-packed show today. We are joined now by David Pepos talking Spencer and Locke, which is uh, like Calvin and Hobbes meets uh, Frank Miller's gritty underworld detective story. David, how are you? I'm doing great, thanks so much for having me Thank you, this is, uh, I, I loved you, you sent me the links and I, I started looking through it and just the art, uh, just the way it's written it, it kind of draws you right in, it's that gritty noir detective story, and I love the, the fantastical nature of the Spencer and Locke dynamic Thank being you. directly with Calvin and Hobbes, tell me where did this, where did the origin for this idea come about?
2: So um, I was a big fan of mashup music uh, and, you know, kind of weird combinations like Nine Inch Nails meets Call Me Maybe, (laughs) two very different uh, styles of music, but they're kind of thrown together and they sound really cool and kind of catchy. And I thought, um, what if somebody tried that with comics? And, uh, you know, classic Frank Miller has always been kind of my jam, Mm. um, Daredevil, the Man Without Fear was kind of a, the book as a kid that made me realize that real writers and artists made these things. And um, so I really wanted to do something with that as kind of a, a, of a base. And I thought, what would be the weirdest thing to throw against Frank Miller? <laughs> and I thought of a lot of ideas, but a lot of them felt very kind of like shock for shock value's sake. Uh, it wasn't until I thought of Calvin and Hobbes that, oh, like the the, the everything just clicked. Um, I had this kind of idea of... This hard-boiled detective, he's really beaten up, he's grinning wildly in the rain, and he's holding a stuffed animal. And I thought, huh, what was that guy's home life like? What was his upbringing? What did it look like? And, uh, and what, uh, you know, what draws him to still hold on to his imaginary friend, even as an adult? And so really, those kind of questions uh, were really irresistible, and I just kind of dove into writing the first issue of Spencer and Locke.
1: So my first question: Has Bill Watterson reached out to you at all with either congratulations or hey, what are you doing? No, uh, <laughs>
2: I, you know, I, I well, it's, it, every time somebody asks me that, I've always kind of blown away because I, I, I I'm of the opinion I. I would be big enough to ever reach Bill's radar. Um, But no, we, we, we haven't, we haven't heard from, from Bill, but I like to think, I would hope that he would see this book for what it is, which is, uh, you know, not just as a parody, but it's very much a love letter. I I consider Bill Watterson and Frank Miller to be really once in a generation talents. They're, uh, they're pioneers and innovators, and they really uh, gave so much to the industry. I I consider Spencer and Locke to be uh, me and artist Jorge Santiago jr. Really standing in the shoulders of giants. Uh, we are certainly not conceited enough to ever think we could fill their shoes, uh, but we, you know, we're 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 having a lot of fun just sort of inhabiting that small little overlap of these two gigantic talents.
1: And we should mention, obviously, these are. It says right there on the covers that these are for mature readers because it does. It's a little yeah. little dark, um, yeah, but it, sure. it, it's it's definitely a lot of fun. What? was the obviously you must have gotten a good reception for the first volume because now the second mm-hmm. volume is out which uh which I love because it's uh it starts out with Beetle Bailey now being thrown into the mix yeah. as, as the new bad guy so was that a natural progression of hey we need to bring in more of the funny pages into this world yeah
2: well so the the hardest part about uh, uh promoting our first volume was biting my tongue and not telling anybody that Calvin and Hobbes was just the tip of the iceberg <laughs> Um, I, it was, I, have actually had this idea for our Beetle Bailey analog, uh, Roach Riley. Uh, he's been in, in our back pocket ever, uh, even before I approached artist, uh, Jorge Santiago jr. For the project. Um, it just made a, a, a logical kind of sense to me. I, I, actually grew up in St. Louis. I was, uh, you know, reading the, the St. Louis post dispatch every day. And I always read the comic section. And that's where I got to know Calvin Hobbes, but there were all these different characters and all these different strips that lived on the same page. So why wouldn't they live in the same universe? Uh, you know, taking that kind of fable style approach where they all are in the same world. It really, uh, it really opened up a lot of storytelling opportunities, I think, uh, because there's so many different archetypes that are, that uh, inhabit these comic strips. And so uh, you can find a lot of different cool and fun characters. Um, you know, Beetle Bailey, for us, he's just the tip of the iceberg. We'll be doing our sorts of riffs on Brenda Starr, High and Lois, Marmaduke, Hagger the Horrible, The Family Circus. Uh, those are just a few off the top of my head, uh, but uh, you'll, you'll see. We've, we've got a couple more cameos and Easter eggs uh, uh, that we're saving for readers.
1: That's what I was wondering if we're going to see Billy, Jeffy, Dolly, and PJ show up as a family of serial killers in the, in the <laughs> volume three. <laughs>
2: I, you know, I I will say I will say uh, you know if for whatever reason we 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 blow up our, our 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 second volume enough to get a whole bunch of other stories, I do have a family circus arc in mind. Um, I would love to do something with a family circus.
1: Um, so uh, yeah, I've got I've got plans for them. And so this is all through Action Lab. Uh, what part of this is, was there crowdfunding involved? Did, did the, the studio, uh, Action Lab, did they just say, hey, you know what, this is great. We're going we're gonna, to uh, publish this for you. How did the marriage of your ideas, uh, working with Santiago and, and Smith on this, uh, pair up with Action Lab?
2: Yeah, well, uh, you know, it's funny. We, we shopped the original Spencer and Locke all across the comics industry. And, you know, the thing is, is my first book, it was uh, Jorge's first uh, direct market book. Um, and so, you know, naturally, a lot of people didn't even respond at all. Um, we did have one top five publisher, though, tell us it was the best pitch that he'd never published, and I wear <laughs> that as a badge of honor. Um, but actually, Lab, you know, it's it's really to their credit. I think a lot of publishers would have been either too squeamish to pu- publish our work. You know, it, it deals a lot with very heavy themes of, yeah. of childhood trauma and PTSD and and and, and the like, um, and mental illness and depression. And um, there are other publishers, I think even less reputable publishers, who would have kind of pushed us even further and tried to get us into exploitation territory, which is something that Jorge and I talked extensively about trying to avoid. Um, Action Lab, I, I actually emailed them blind. I, I did not – they were one of the few publishers I didn't know anybody at, but I'd heard about their work with Princeless and Molly Danger and Stray. And so I, I, I'll never forget, I had emailed uh, our editor, Dave Gwanch, um, I was I stayed late after work one day. Uh, my work computer uh, had uh, Adobe Acrobat, so I was able to work on our pitch document. And I remember sending the email and then sort of working on some paperwork that I needed to catch up on. And suddenly about 20 minutes later, I get an email back from Dave asking, how soon do you think you could finish this book? Wow. And that, that's sort of where the chill goes down your spine <laughs> because um, suddenly the book's not hypothetical anymore. Now you actually have to like pull it off and... Um, In case anybody's wondering, when you have a book that's What If Calvin and Hobbes Grew Up in Sin City, I know how uh, combustible that high concept is. It's very much a high wire act. Hmm. And so suddenly you're kind of like, oh, I actually, we have to deliver this book and we have (laughs) to stick the landing. Um, but they've been really a fantastic partner to work with. Um, Action Lab has really given us the freedom to tell this story the way that we wanted to. Um, the, the, the only questions they ever asked me were, are you going to hit your deadline? Um, that was beyond that. They said, do what you need to do. We trust you. We, we, we liked your pitch enough and we liked sort of the, the, the treatment for where you were headed with the rest of the story that uh, we believe in you guys and sort of having that latitude to kind of call our own shots. Um, I think that's a unique thing in the industry. And I think that's very, that was crucial to, to Spencer and Locke's success.
1: And you just last weekend did Long Beach, uh, Long Beach Fan Expo, yeah. is that correct? Yeah, Long Beach, Long Beach Comic Expo. It
2: was a great con. Um, I know one of the organizers, Ivan Cohen. He's actually responsible for me being in the comics industry. Um, he uh, worked at DC Comics Back when I was in college, uh, uh, knocking on everyone's door to be a, 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 an editorial intern. And so uh, poor Ivan listened to me call him every two weeks for nine months trying to get in the door. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was that was a, 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 over 10 years ago. Uh, but uh, Ivan still remembers that 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 plucky uh, college sophomore asking him for college strips. And he was kind enough to invite me uh, back as a guest. And, and you can uh, always that, that
1: was sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead.
2: I was just to say that was you know it's my first convention of the year uh, and it's nice to be able to sort of kick off some of the rust. Um, I I like to travel all over the country for this book. We you know we have a really rabid and growing fan base and uh, we always seem to manage to sell a lot of copies whatever convention we're at. And um, but yeah, I I'm, I'm based in Los Angeles now and so Long Beach is a, a fairly quick drive for me. And um, yeah, it was it was great getting to sort of catch up. We're at the point now where we're catching up with old fans just as much as reaching out to new ones, and um that's kind of a, a a cool surreal place to be in. um but I think it just goes to to show just how well received um our team's work was
1: and that was gonna be my question was obviously in an industry like this, when comic books there's there's so many of them and obviously you're competing against the big two um, yeah. there's the fan their reaction is really so crucial and that was going to my my question is how have the uh how has the fan base been taking this uh, as you go to these different cons and you said you kind of answered my question ahead of time it's been a mix of new people finding you and people who are just obsessed and love what you've done already
2: so um i think spencer and mark fans are the best fans in the world and i i, I know i'm biased but um you know i, I think the proof is We actually, our first volume was nominated for five Ringo Awards last year. Wow! Uh, We were right up there with Tom King and Mister Miracle and Batman, Elmer Fudd. Uh, Good company to be in. (laughs) uh, It's terrific company to be in. It was terrific company to lose to. is what I always (laughs) like to say. Uh, You know, but we were right up there. We were nominated for best series, best writer, best cover art, best colors, and best lettering. And I, I think it just shows. You know, the Ringo Awards are are. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a, a hybrid of fan voting and jury voting. And I think it just speaks to our fan base that they were so vocal and so passionate and so supportive of us, not just for, you know, for me and Jorge who, uh, you know, I recognize that as the writer and artist were sort of the, 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 the faces of the book, but the fact that they were even, you know, recognizing our colorist, Jason Smith, our letterer, Colin Bell, the fact that our entire core creative team was recognized for their work um, was something that was uh, a very uh, moving but kind of unbelievable thing to experience. Um, and, uh, you know, so being able to sort of go to the Ringo Awards, you know, uh, a big industry award for my very first book, um, I felt the le- like the luckiest guy in the room. And, and it's not because uh, my, my mother actually wound up crashing the event to surprise me. <laughs> uh, but, you know, just our fans, you know, they've been, they've been so terrific. I think, like you said, it's a crowded marketplace out there. There's so many books going on right now. Um, that's something that they just discussed this weekend at the Comics Pro uh, uh, Summit over in Charlotte. Is you know uh, even the big two are sort of looking to either scale back or sort of re, uh, redistribute their energies and where they're going to focus their books. Mm-hmm. And um, you know it's just you know it, 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 it took a village to kind of build this up. It was uh, the fans and it was the press. And it was our retailers. Um, I actually have called uh, over 1,000 retailers this month to tell them about our sequel. And uh, almost 201, uh, they've all been incredibly supportive of us and told us how well the first volume sold for, for them and how they're going to be uh, selling even more for volume two. And, um, you know, I, I was just saying earlier today, we actually found out a fan uh, had gotten a Spencer and Locke tattoo. Oh, Nice. And that's kind of a very weird, pinch me, the simulation is glitching kind of moment. (laughs) Um, But it just goes to show that, um, you know, our fans are are just so passionate. And I think it's because they, you know, we try to approach our book with a sense of empathy. I I think everybody kind of has moments in their past that have hurt them or memories that they don't like to think about. And that, I think, is kind of the magic of our book is we're able to sort of tackle these moments with our characters And if Locke can kind of, you know, uh, endure all these sort of horrible things in his past, but still get up and keep fighting, I think that's a very hopeful and redemptive message that a lot of fans have resonated with.
1: And one last question before I let you go. Uh, yeah. We've got – obviously, we're living in a world now where so much uh, content it, – it's a it's a geek's dream because we've got – you turn on Netflix, Hulu original mm-hmm. showing uh, uh, Marvel stuff like Runaways. We've got all over the big screen, the biggest our box office hits are m- comic book movies. Obviously, in the back of your mind, even though you're still kind of launching this and it, it's new and it's it's great – That's got to be the back of your mind. Hey, maybe we'll get like an Umbrella Academy type Netflix series out of this. Is that in percolating? Uh, Have you you cast Locke already?
2: (laughs) You know, well, it's it's actually we've been actually hard at work on this. Uh, We were actually optioned uh, last year. Uh, And uh, so we've been actually having a lot of conversations here in Hollywood about sort of what the, the multimedia future of Spencer and Locke is going to be. And, um, I've looked at a lot of, uh, you know, there's been a lot of cool combinations. I think you have to find two actors that kind of complement one another. Um, so, you know, I've been thinking about, uh, team ups like Ryan Gosling and the rock or, there you um, go. or Jake Gyllenhaal and Idris Elba or, um, uh, oh. Robert Pattinson and Jason Momoa. Um, you know, those would be, I think all three of those would be, uh, tremendous, uh, uh, team ups. Um, but, you know, that's the that's the cool thing about being out here in Los Angeles is that, you know, you see the different spins that uh, a film or a television adaptation will bring to your uh, comic book work, similar to the way that Umbrella Academy on Netflix, which I've really enjoyed. Um, it's a very different animal than the book. And Mm -hmm. I think that's the best of both worlds. Uh, You know, I would not want a strict uh, page-to-screen adaptation of our series because all of our readers know the twists and turns already. I would would much rather take sort of the Marvel Cinematic Universe approach where we we tell a story that will get everybody excited and keep everybody in suspense but still remains true to the spirit of the characters. Um, The last thing I would want is for someone to read uh, Spencer and Locke or Spencer and Locke 2 and be immediately horrified at what they see Uh, But I think that uh, there are a lot of cool things that film and television uh, can do that comics can't and vice versa. And so uh, it's been really exciting being a part of that uh, process, even on the ground floor.
1: And if you want to catch up on Spencer and Locke, you can go to your local comic book store, which we always, always, always encourage you to support your local comic book store. Go buy the books. Uh, You can find Spencer and Locke there now. David Pempos, thanks so much for your time. It's been a treat to talk to you, and uh, we'll have to have you on the show for Volume 3 and maybe even when the series gets optioned.
2: Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it.
1: Anytime. Thank you. There he goes. Uh, Spencer and Locke, you can find it at your local comic book stores. Make sure if they don't have it, that they order it. Because that's what we want to do, support people like this. These an indie creations. We're going to take our first break. Come right back talking with Chris McQuillan all about the upcoming Toy Man Toy Show. Stand by.
3: To Geek to Me Radio.
1: We are back, talking now with a frequent guest of the show. We broadcast our show from his event multiple times. Chris McQuillan of Toyman Toy Show. How are you today, sir? Doing great, doing great.
3: How are you guys doing?
1: Doing well, doing well. Uh, We know you've got another toy show coming up, which is always a never-to-be-missed thing for those for people who just like to catch up on their nostalgia and be like, oh, I had this, or people who actually just want to go in and buy the stuff and get their childhood back. Another show coming up on March 10th, I believe, yes?
3: Yes, March 10th is coming up. It'll be about 140 vendors, 145 vendors, and about uh, 250-plus tables.
1: And you always have guests at these things, which always makes it even more fun. Uh, what what guests do we have lined up for our March 10th event? So
3: now we're kind of t- doing a, a, a horror in March um, instead of doing one you know, during one for the holidays, for sort of like Halloween being to the ho- you know Halloween time and you know October time. We're doing bringing um, bringing horror back, um, and it's a, a gentleman named Robert Mukes. He played Rufus from The House of a Thousand Corpses. Uh, he's been in some other movies, of course, uh, but when, you know, him being from House of the Thousand Corpses, he played the part of Rufus Firefly. Um, and uh, we have some other guests also, you know, being, being bringing her, there's an, there'll be an author-writer there also. Her name is Suzanne uh, Landon. Uh, she is also bringing her counterpart that, that travels with her also. Um, his name is Mr. Hanson. But he also dresses as Captain Spaulding, which
1: is <laughs> yes.
3: also from the House of a Thousand Corpses. And then we just uh, added, and we just, and this was fairly quick. Uh, Miss Angie Fox, she's a best-selling author. Um, she's been the best for the New York Times and USA Today best-selling author. Um, she's local and a little bit a little bit more horror to the show. Also,
1: and I've got some of the pictures I pulled up. If you if you go to Facebook, facebook.com dot com slash Toy Man show Uh, you can see him dressed up in his glory there as Captain Spaulding and it's 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 definitely bringing the horror back that's for sure (laughs) and you've got
3: uh, something different we want to give the guests that come to the show a little bit something different every show and so we just you know with the show being eight times a year we can bring different authors we can bring different actors we can do voice actors regular actors uh, authors of uh, science fiction novels so we try to give a variety of the people that come to the show
1: It's always a good mix, and there's always so much, like I said, that you've got the entire upstairs, which has a lot of people doing, uh, like, uh, the the crafts, and they've got unique things you're not going to be able to find if you're in that. Like, they've got a woman who does, like, comic book embossed coffee table stuff, and it's really cool, stuff like that, in addition to the toys and stuff you'd want to find, all the way back to, uh, we know Spike, who's been on the air with us before, does, like, toys from the 50s and 60s. You've got people doing modern stuff. You've got pops. So it's a little bit of everything, something that anyone who goes is going to find something they want.
3: Yeah, with the two floors, we we used to be at about 190 to 200, uh, excuse me, 190, 200 plus tables. But with the upstairs, we've, we're pushing it you know, like 250 plus. We're trying to get a large selection it's, and it's not so much that we're trying to just have a toy show but it's toys and comics and more. I mean, it's just not just the toy show. You're going to find a little bit of everything there. Like you said, there's there's crafters that are doing pop culture stuff. You know, from time to time we have other crafters that do anything from hand sewing to wood burning. So you're going to get a lot of different things Within the culture,
1: and there's uh, the, I want to mention the website too, ToymanShow dot uh, So maybe you can't make the one in March, but you've got like you said eight each year, um, and you've been in the same place. You're right there at the Machinist Hall in bridgeton the at two seventy in the Rock Road, one two three six five Saint Charles Rock Road, and the hours are from I think eight a.m. Is for the early bird. And, then, and I mean, the other
3: is from eight to nine and that's twelve dollars. But then you have nine till three and it's five dollars.
1: And like I said, you've been in that same space for so long and you've gotten the the Riverfront Times given awards, you've gotten awards for uh, how this this amazing toy show. So it's gotta be, I guess, a bit of a challenge to keep kind of raising the bar each time, yes?
3: Yeah, I mean it's something that me and my family started back in nineteen ninety, and, we, and we're trying to keep something different. Like I said, anyone can go to a you know a flea market or a, a toy show, and and what we just did we just try to give it more of a personal touch. But you know, being at the same building for almost thirty years because we've been doing it since nineteen ninety, we just try to make it a little bit different. Like and like I said, trying to keep vendors, uh, keep fresh vendors in there, having different uh, types of. Handcrafted items in there to keep uh, stuff original it's really hard to try to, to try to do that
1: and there's a lot of the same vendors come back so you might see something at one show and be like oh I'd love to get that you don't have to worry about missing out because a lot of times they'll bring stuff back but the cool thing is also some of these same vendors bring back an entirely new assortment of stuff so you might see something at one show you never saw at a previous show too.
3: Oh, yes, definitely. And we've had and and almost every one of our vendors also buy. So if you have something that you want to come and get appraised on or you may want to sell or you just want to see, you know, get some history on it, let's say you have something and you don't know much about what collectible you might have, go and bring it up. Uh, and like I said, there's 140-plus vendors, and some vendor, you know, there may be two or three vendors in that same booth. So, you know, you, you may you have a definitely a, a broad spectrum on someone's idea. So if someone said this was seventy thousand dollars and that person was it's $150,000, and you thought you were going to put it on Facebook or eBay for 25 or 30. You may not think about that right. again. <laughs>
1: And I know uh, if someone is listening, they're like, well, I've got a bunch of stuff. I would like to just bring my collection and sell. You're pretty much booked up. I mean, you've got people on a waiting list for these tables. So is it it the best thing if they want to do something like that? Just talk to you at the show and see when they could possibly get in, add to the wait list?
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have a wait list, but we also have table. We have vendors that cancel from time to time. You can get a hold of you know through the Toyman website. You can go to Facebook under Toy Man Show. You can go. Um, you can contact me through uh, my Gmail account, which is Toyman at gmail.com. So you can find me at so many different levels through Facebook, through Twitter, through Instagram.
1: And I know uh, if you're going to go to this, let's say you've never been before. I know people, you need to go check this out because I I go in, I've gone to I think just about every show you've had since I've been old enough to go. And it's just so fun to see people walking out, big smiles on their faces, bag fulls of toys. And they're like, oh, I'm so excited. They're they're there with their kids buying things that, hey, I had this when I was a kid and they're letting their kids now kind of get into this. So it's always a great time. And once again, the website, uh, it will be the best place. Also, facebook.com slash Toy Man Show, and that event is March 10th, so mark your calendars for that Sunday. Chris McQuillan, thanks so much for being on air with us. We love having you on.
3: No problem. Thanks for uh, asking to come on with yeah, you. Anytime. Check us out.
1: Sounds good. Thanks so much there he goes yeah. chris mcquillan from Toyman toy show again facebook.com slash Toyman show check out the pictures right there and uh, like the page keep updated on when the next show is we're going to take our next break we're going to come right back talking all things oscars with max on movies stand by
0: Both you know me from Krypton, playing Adam Strange. Welcome to geek to me Radio.
1: We are back. I want to take this time to tell you about our premier sponsor, the city of St. Charles. Beautiful, historic St. Charles. The website that I want you to go visit to check it out is discoverstcharles.com. They've got great pictures up there of all the things there are to see and do, and there are plenty. Uh, They've got events coming up in May. They're celebrating their sesquicentennial. I actually pronounced that right. 250 years since the founding of St. Charles. They've got all sorts of events planned for that weekend. I think it's the uh, weekend of the 16th through the 19th of May. Uh, If the previous festivals that they've done like legends and lanterns and christmas traditions are any indication this one's gonna be huge a lot of fun there'll be something for the entire family to do it's a big event uh 250 is a big one obviously not many of us make it that far uh city of st charles has been plugging along and doing incredibly well and celebrating this event and there's other things if you can't make it that weekend there's always something going on heritage day festivals they've got the uh tartan event going on i think in april you can check out the website discoverstcharles.com to get information on all these events. If you've got a wedding coming up and you're in the area and you're like, Oh, we need to get some really nice pictures. There's always photographers out there with people doing senior photos with doing wedding photography. You're getting in your engagement photos. Uh, There's all sorts of different backgrounds and interesting things to have as your backdrop for your photo. It's all natural. It's right there. It's in our backyard. Historic Main Street is beautiful. Uh, You're out. You want to get something to eat. There's great places to eat up and down North and South Main Street. Unique dining and shopping experiences we all talk about. I'm a Doctor Who guy, so I always tell you, go to the English shop, get your jammy dodgers and jelly babies. Uh, But it's just, I can't emphasize enough what a beautiful place it is and how lucky we are to have it right here. If you're from outside the St. Louis, St. Charles area, come visit us. Charming bed and breakfast. You can stay Hotels with brand new modern amenities. The streets of St. Charles—they're constantly building over there. You could live there in the streets of St. Charles and have something to do every day of the week. It's a fantastic place. And please go to the website to check it out for more information. Discover StCharles.com. We're going to take another break. We are going to come back, and we've got our Oscar ballots here in our hand. Max and movies now are going to talk about what we think the winners might be. Stand by.
0: It's me, Kevin Smith, and Bob. You're listening to Geek to Me Radio, man.
3: This is the only radio show that the guy does, Batman Beyond, listens to for his geek news.
1: And that was very timely. We did just take a call from Kevin Smith. He says he thinks Black Panther is going to win Best Picture. Uh, he might be biased being a comic book guy, but we'll see. <laughs> this Oscar segment brought to you by our other sponsor, Marcus Theaters. With locations in 11 different states, Marcus Theaters. Here in St. Louis, uh, they took over the Wernberg chain, and they've done amazing renovations, especially at Ronnie's, at the at Chesterfield. Uh, Max and I both saw Alita Battle Angel, uh, the gorgeous IMAX at Ronnie's. My goodness. I think uh, that aids my experience. When I'm seeing a movie in a uh, fantastic surroundings, those big heated seats, and they've got the Dolby surround sound and the fantastic IMAX screen, it obviously is going to make you like the movie more. So if you want to see a movie and you want to like the movie, go see it at Marcus Theaters. They've got fantastic concessions. You can buy your tickets online. Check out reviews and everything right there from the website. MarcusTheaters.com is the website, and hopefully you took advantage of their recent Oscar they had the big weekend thing where you could go and see like seven of the movies for like $35 and catch up. And so you, when you go to the Oscar party tonight, you're familiar with these movies and you can guess that they do something like that every year. There's always events. They've got their throwback series. They've got the Disney princess series, uh, the rom-com series. You can get tickets for all these things. Check out what they have upcoming enter contests right there on the website. Marcus is that website. We appreciate them being a sponsor of geek to me radio. Max on movies. How are you, sir?
0: It's my day, James. It's your day. It's, I'm pretty, pretty excited about day. this. <laughs> I get it excited about it every single year and uh, shameless plug, uh, everybody should not only follow you on Twitter at geek Me Radio, but please follow me at Maxon Movies because I will uh, be doing my annual uh, duties of neglecting my family and uh, live tweeting the Academy Awards from the red carpet all the way until the very last commercial and uh, it is incessant tweeting. It's a whole lot of fun. I always get a whole lot of new followers and people make dumb jokes and it's just a lot of fun. All of film Twitter will be live tweeting tonight, so just add me to that list whenever you're looking at your uh, hashtags tonight because it's going to be a whole lot of fun, uh, fun. Plus, my son, Oscar, who is not named after the awards I was ceremony, wondering. although people think so, <laughs> uh, he's actually under the weather tonight. Oh. So I'm going to be an even better dad letting my wife take care of him while I live tweet the Oscars. Exactly. Because Priorities.
1: Yeah. You don't want to have too many cooks in the kitchen. Let your wife take right. care of them. Otherwise, you're competing with advice. No, give them a cold compress. Exactly. No, give them aspirin. You don't want that. Of course not. You're a- putting a- the kids' needs first. I Right. Yes. That's a great and skewered way to, to look at it. Yes. <laughs> I don't have children, you can tell. Yeah. That's all right. um, We do want to. right. I'm starting out by saying, what do you think about this controversy? I know they've cut some of the uh, live presentations for costuming. And it's raised quite a hubbub among the acting community.
0: Well, uh, the Oscars have reversed pretty much every bad decision that they made uh, this year. Um, they got off on the wrong foot because there was a chance that Laura Dern was going to be the new Academy president. And they decided, no, we'll have the voting next year. And so that didn't happen. I hope it happens next year because having a Vice Admiral Holdo as oh, yeah. the head of the Academy would be amazing. Uh, so hopefully they write they that ship uh, next year. But um, they initially said they were going to have a new category For best popular film Uh, People didn't like that And so that went away Uh, And they also said They were going to be uh, Giving cinematography Editing uh, Costume Design uh, During the commercial breaks Uh, Coincidentally People pointed out That ABC uh, Who's owned by Disney Who's airing the Oscars Didn't have any Movies nominated During those awards So they reversed that as well And everything will air today Live uh, Which is fantastic They also said early on That only two of the Original songs Would be performed They always perform All all of the nominated songs. And with, with this year, w- when you have a song from Mary Poppins Returns, uh, when you have uh, a song from Black Panther, when you have Shallow from A Star Is Born, it made no sense not to air those. So they reversed that and we're going to get all of the songs as well. So um, the only thing they did not relent on was the lack of a host. Uh, they originally had asked Kevin Hart. Uh, Twitter freaked out about that for better or worse. Uh, Kevin Hart removed himself from the conversation. Later on, quite strangely, uh, to in a tweet to my good friend Dan Buffa, the Rock uh, said that he was the first choice from the Academy. That's a little strange seeing as how he's co-starring with Kevin Hart in the next Jumanji movie. I wonder if Kevin Hart called him and said, hey, man, what are you, <laughs> why are you saying you were the first choice? That's a little strange, but good for them. Uh, so this will be the first time since uh, the 89, um, isn't it? 89 that uh, and that was a disaster yes. of a broadcast. Yes. I hope that we don't have another disaster tonight, but apparently there is no host
1: will uh, that'll be interesting to see so now that they've added everything back in i think a lot of people are going to go ahead and tune in after because a lot of people were saying they weren't going to watch because of the cinematography and and the uh, costuming and everything like that being left out so we'll see how this goes it might be uh, might be a repeat of the 30 year long go in between disasters. We'll see. Uh, you know, I don't know.
0: I mean, I mean, the last time I think we had an actual disaster was when James Franco decided not to host the Oscars. I mean, Anne Hathaway, God love her, tried her best and she rough. just had no help at all from Franco. And I don't know what was going on there behind the scenes. The best host in recent memory, I think, was Hugh Jackman, who, of course, can do everything. But that opening monologue was great. His song was great. He brought up Anne Hathaway and sung with him. And of course, when he ended his song uh, by saying, how come comic book movies never get nominated? Right. And Ending with "I'm Wolverine," uh, <laughs> we're getting some some uh, so, some wonderful uh, you know uh, uh, closure here with Black Panther being nominated for Best Picture. I could obviously do an hour with you, James. We don't have an hour no. here, um, but I did want to bring up just really quickly three of the major snubs. Every year, there's always you yeah. know movies that do not get uh, uh, nominated. The three that jumped out to me um, in the best documentary feature, it blows my mind and makes no sense that Won't You Be My Neighbor, which is the uh, Fred Rogers documentary, um, which is one of the best movies, documentary or not. Everyone loved it. It's an amazing movie. It will make you cry if you watch it, and it did not make the short List. That that boggles my mind. There was a horror film that I didn't care for called Hereditary last year, but I think Toni Collette gave one of the best performances uh, of any actor I've seen in the last decade. And the fact that she didn't get nominated for an actress in a leading role boggles my mind. And then finally, this one's a bit esoteric, but I love film scores, as you may know. And um, and uh, Justin Hurwitz's score for First Man uh, was mm. transcendent, and I don't know how that didn't get nominated. Those are the three this year that kind of boggled my mind.
1: And a lot of people talking about Bradley Cooper not getting Best Director nominated was a bit of a snub, too, that they thought was odd.
0: Uh, You know, given the fact that uh, this year is the first year that Spike Lee has been nominated for Best Director, after all the amazing films he's given us, like Do the Right Thing and Malcolm X and even smaller films like Girl 6 that I've really enjoyed, the fact that Black Klansman gives him his first nomination, uh, that makes me think, let's let Bradley Cooper get 20 years of filmmaking under his belt before we start showering him with awards. Sure. I'm, I'm fine with that.
1: Um, so since, uh, let's start with best picture. What do you got for that one?
0: Uh, You know, there are to me, there are two front runners here um, uh, out of these pictures, and uh, I'm going to go with my gut. I think that Black Panther is going to win tonight, and I know really uh, well, your reaction is what I get from a lot of people when I say that. But I think you're never going to have a comic book film that is going to resonate and be as culturally impactful, arguably, as this one. And I think that the majority of your voters for best picture are producers. And I think the producers in this industry really respect what Kevin Feige has been able to do over the past decade with Marvel Comics, and we can't forget that they gave a similar award, uh, Best Picture, to the third Lord of the Rings movie, That's Return true. of the yeah. King, and they did that because they really respected what New Line and Peter Jackson had done with these fantasy movies. So we have precedence for them, hmm. for this. The other frontrunner, the one that I am I am hopeful wins tonight, but I think it's a little too politically uh, challenging, is Roma, and the reason why I say that is because if Netflix wins best picture at the Academy. It changes the landscape of filmmaking going forward. And I don't know if the Academy is ready to do that. Um, but I certainly would be happy if Roma won. I just think it's politically, I don't think people really want Netflix to have that much power. They would become the new Miramax. They right, would sure. become. I mean, that's what happened when Shakespeare and Love won, and it changed. I mean, independent films got a huge push. Um, we already have huge directors like the Coen brothers and Scorsese going to Netflix, but that really changes the whole industry. So that's why I think they're going to give it to Black Panther. Well,
1: this year I kind of did ones I because uh, my heart wants it and then my head knows what probably might win. So obviously my heart would love to see Black Panther win this. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my head, I was kind of giving it to Bohemian Rhapsody just because it's gotten so much momentum through the Golden Globes and uh, all the other award shows that have preceded the Oscars. You kind of, I kind of go by that as a bit of a playbook for what might be. It kind of foreshadows a little bit.
0: Yeah, I'm going to disagree there because the people who vote for the Hollywood f- Foreign Press do not vote in the Academy, and usually don't have a lot of crossover between the Golden Globes and the Academy. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that would be that would happen. I think you'll be happy tonight if, if Black Panther. Wants. I will be ecstatic, ecstatic. What about director? What do you think? Uh, I think that Spike Lee's nomination is his award. I think this goes to Alfonso Coron for Roma, uh, deservingly so. It's an incredible film. And he was just a uh, shameless plug here, he was just a guest on the Maxon movie show. Ooh. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think because uh, that, that's what um, uh, Brett Hoffman from Marcus Theaters also felt Alfonso would win that as well. Uh, obviously, again, I'd love to see Spike Lee win just because mm-hmm. my heart would love to see that. But uh, brain wise, I think I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. And I think he gets it for Roma. Absolutely. And how about uh, we're you
0: want let's we take just a break burn through them. Let, let's just burn through them okay. quick. Yeah. All right, so we'll we got it. we'll go with the uh, next actress in a leading role. It's Glenn Close. Uh, that's a lock. She's won almost everything including the Independent Spirit Awards last night. Uh, it's an absolute lock.
1: Um I would have to agree with my head says Glenn Close, my heart would like to see uh, Olivia Colman. Um cuz I've I'm a fan of hers from the Broadchurch days. Uh, tremendous actress and I would just love to see her her yeah. win that.
0: She she won the BAFTA. So she's yeah. fine. Yeah um actor in a leading role i've gone back and forth on this i just did a hit in kansas city uh yesterday for a different radio program and i switched i was saying rami malek this whole time for bohemian rhapsody but then yesterday i switched it over to christian bale because he's amazing in vice and then just when i was filling this out before your geek to me show i went back to rami malek it's really a a a, a two-person race i don't know who it'll be i'm gonna guess rami
1: i'm thinking uh again i've just my the way my brain works. I was wondering if Bradley Cooper might not be the dark horse and yeah. end up getting this because he was he was kind of air quotes snubbed for director. He might say, yeah, you know what? He did a great job in this though, director, everything. We'll, we'll go ahead and give him the actor in leading role. Uh, we've seen this kind of happen before where look at all the stuff Scorsese does and they give him his, uh, his Oscar for Departed, mm-hmm. uh, which was not his best film. So sure. who knows? I can see that as a bit of a dark horse thing. Um, actress in supporting role.
0: I think this one goes to Regina King. Uh, this is her best role in ages. She's been beloved by her fellow actors for a long time. I mean, uh, I don't think Emma Stone has a chance. She just won, uh, you know, uh, best actress uh, a year ago. Uh, I don't think uh, I mean, Amy Adams is the new Susan Lucci. She's, she's the Susan Lucci of the Oscars. I think that she'll have a couple more nominations. So I'm going to go Regina King.
1: Actor in supporting role. I had a hard time between Mahershala Ali for Green Book and Sam Rockwell for Vice.
0: You know, Mahershala Ali is the fan favorite, and I would not be surprised if he won this. I was so pleased to see Sam Elliott get a nom for Stars Born. That would make me very happy. But I think his nomination is his award. I'm going to go with Richard E. Grant for Can You Ever Forgive Me? And uh, real quick before we wrap it up here, original screenplay. What do you think? Um, this one is one what I will vote for with my heart uh, and not my brain. I really love the movie First Reformed, which is a Paul Schrader film, very challenging film, one of my top 10 of last year. And I went ahead and put an X on that because I would love to see that win. Um, also, right before we take a break, we should talk about animated feature. Don't you think it's a lock for Spider-Man into I the Spider-Verse? I certainly hope so. What a dynamic animated feature. I mean, that one has to win. Groundbreaking.
1: Right? especially. I would, and I know Stan Lee will be smiling down if that one wins and, and Black Panther wins Absolutely. too. So hopefully some so we're going to take a break. Come right back and wrap it up on geek to me Radio. Stand by. We are back. Wrapping it up. I wanted to say thanks again to all my guests. David Pepos of Spencer and Locke, Chris McQuoll Toy Man Toy Show, Max Foise from Max on Movies. Uh, I do want to say, if you're listening to the show and you want to support the show, go to geek2meradio.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, subscribe on YouTube, hit the Patreon link uh, and uh, help support the show in that way. And obviously support my sponsors, discoverstcharles.com and marcustheaters.com. Back next week with an awesome interview with John Glover. So until then, my friends.
0: It's not in the way you watch I sound.
1: Sunset Strip. Good night.